You're listening to From the Field, a podcast helping ministry leaders think differently, thrive personally, and lead thoughtfully. Welcome to From the Field. My name is Ryan Hughley. I am lead pastor of Formation Church in Salt Lake City, Utah, and I also write about developing relationship with God at ryanhughley.com. My name is Tyler Dravitz. I'm the executive pastor at Formation, and I also lead a company called MyXP, where we help pastors solve problems by providing remote executive pastor support to churches around the country. Learn more at myxp.church. Well, we have been uh, having a series of conversations about managing morale, mm-hmm. and we've whoa, been- whoa, whoa. You got to manage my morale right now. I think it's a big deal. We're at number 100. Are we? Oh, we are at number 100. Yeah. It is a big deal. That is just full disclosure. How many did you believe when we like decided to do this? Because mm-hmm. uh, it was a little bit of a reboot. Where yeah. did you think we would get? I don't know that I had a number in mind. I can tell you that I've wanted to quit it about 99 times. Oh, I'm aware. Yeah. yeah each week. I, I, I'm aware. I just. If I you just, enjoy From the Field, you have Tyler to thank for. Uh, well, That's yeah, what I'd it's say. Because when he, like, uh, like, we've been friends for now, like, 28 years. Uh-huh. And I just know when you're, like, like kind of circling the drain on something. Uh-huh. And I've made a conscious choice to totally ignore when you, like, start throwing out the, you know, like, oh, geez, it's just kind of hard to plan. I'm like, oh, Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I just sort of like walk away or continue working and because it's great. Yeah. I think that people have been it is. aided. But we also, in my defense, yeah. we joke about how you're the talent uh-huh. of the two of us yeah. in this podcast. I for sure have the harder job. Do you? 100% because before we record, I have to listen to you go on and on and on and somehow decipher your mad scientist brilliance into some thing that makes sense to anyone listening in under yeah. two hours. Oh, for sure. If you have been helped at all by From the Field, you have Brian to thank. So if you enjoy it, all right, I'll take that. then you have me We're to even. thank. If, if it made any sense at all, like especially points and things like that, like Ryan present, even as we were playing planning for this episode he presented like this idea uh-huh. and then i talk about random life experiences <laughs> opinions uh things that really chat my tail all of that and somehow you're like oh so that like means this. these three points and yeah. i'm like sure yeah. i'm not positive but <laughs> let's right. go anyway well i am i am happy that it's helped anyone and i think the thing that even as we were talking about you know, so much of this series is about problem solving mm-hmm. and problem solving for you and I is a very um, intuitive uh, practice. Sure. And one thing that I have really appreciated about from the field is it has caused us to take some of these things that might be pretty intuitive for us and to, to be able to talk about them in a way that's going to be actionable for other people. Mm-hmm. You have to actually think through it. So yeah. even as we thought through how to wrestle with this morale issue that mm-hmm. people might be having in their churches, it really forced us to think through, all right, well, how how did we go about solving our own morale issue yep. in a way that it is actionable then to other people? Totally. So that's been great. Yep. Yeah, got to get people handles. Yeah. So, yeah, just by way of segue, that is what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been a hard few years. And as a result of that, many churches are experiencing something that, that would closely resemble a morale issue. Meaning, when you step back 
if you were to ask people, hey, how are you feeling about the community, the org- like whatever your word choice is, the, the church family, the organization, the whole thing, how, do, how are you feeling? Mm-hmm. And, and I think a lot of people would, would say, a lot of people in our own church the last few months would say like, not awesome. Yeah. You know, like it doesn't feel like this is going great. Yeah. And I think that oftentimes, like when you have like a huge issue, you know, I mean like a cancer or something like that, like people spin out. I think, I think, I think from my perspective, if we would have asked our people that specific question, you would have probably gotten, eh. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that is, you know, you even think of biblically, like, you know, like in Revelations, God talks about being either hot or cold because like you're lukewarm and Uh I want to spit you out. Like, that's like the worst place to be. Yeah. Like if God doesn't want that, like we should not either. And that meh is just the worst. Yes. I think if you are, that's, I think that's an important point. If what you are listening for is like, I hate it like everything is wrong. Yeah. Then, I mean, my gosh, if that's the answer, yeah, we've, got we've got bigger problems. People. And we've talked all about our experience in North Carolina. So you can like scroll through some episodes on that. That was yeah. different. Right. That wasn't a morale thing. That was something That was else. something else. Oh, but yeah. if you have people going, eh, it's fine. Mm. I would say if people think about your community and they go, it's fine. You have a morale issue. Oh yeah. That's and not the glowing review. It can you're be way for. more pervasive. Totally. Because at least in one of those like more difficult situations, there's at least like sides or something. Yeah. And in this case, it's just like apathy and yeah. So mm. what we're wrestling with is is how do you manage that issue? Because when it goes unaddressed, it oftentimes leads to division, leads to discouragement, and can lead to a church closing. Mm-hmm. And so the first two weeks we talked about, well, number one, you got to diagnose what the problem is. What's mm-hmm. causing the morale issue? Once you have that, then you pull your critical thinkers together and you got to discern what's the solution to our problem. Mm-hmm. And then this week we want to shift to the final step, which is how do we actually then, we've got a solution and how do we drive that solution across the finish line, yep. which can be really, really hard. Some people think that in just identifying the solution that they have accomplished the solution yeah, and that nothing could be further from, from the truth. Yeah. Like you have to actually take action in response to what that solution is. And that can be rife with challenges. And so that's what we're going to spend a few Ooh. minutes talking about today. What? I don't know about, I don't you know, know about rife. rife. I don't know. Well, read rife. a book once in a while. Well, nah. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get texts now from a handful of people that are like, Either rife is or is not a word. Yep, I know. So let me know. I guess we'll find out together. Oh, boy. All right. So I think the thing that I want to emphasize before we even start is is the we in this. How do we go about driving this solution across the finish line? Yeah. Because I think it is very common for leaders to have some degree of a Messiah complex. Mm -hmm. I'm the leader. And so it's my responsibility to be the one who solves this problem on my own. Yep. And they kind of want to do it in a way that it it sort of maybe hides how they did it so mm-hmm. that people do. And, and I think a lot of this happens unconsciously, but that people look at you and go like, wow, you are such a good leader, such mm-hmm. a good shepherd to us. Yep. And I understand the compulsion to want that, but I think that you really miss an opportunity, especially as it pertains to morale when it's not a we thing. Because yeah. I would say, like we talked about all this entire conversation comes from our own morale issue that centered around, we were meeting on 4 p.m.s at another church's location that was not working for us. Yep. And so we had to make the do the work to move into our 4,000 square foot ministry center so that we could worship here on Sundays. Yep. And it was super hard. 
um, to get there. But one of the most powerful components, I think, that uh, that affected the change in morale was that we all did it together. It wasn't, thank God, because we wouldn't have been able to, you and me here, like doing all the work by ourselves. Right. There was a small army of people sure. that everybody took this this problem on and said like, no, we're, we're going to drive this across the finish line together. And yeah. I think that that had such a huge impact on changing the morale in our church. Totally. And it wasn't a matter of like, a chicken little, the sky is falling sort of a thing, but we were just real honest with people. Like this was it. Yeah. Like we, we had to make a change Yeah. and this is the one we needed and we needed everyone to pitch in. And genuinely, I think with the exception of, I mean, obviously we had to buy supplies and stuff mm-hmm. like that, but with the exception of having the prof- floors professionally cleaned, did we, we didn't pay, pay for nope. a service? Nope. It was all yeah. volunteer driven. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Which, awesome. Which, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of hours over the course of that six weeks. I mean, it's just amazing to think about. Yeah. And I think that um, uh, the other thing that that we does is just create a sense of buy-in. I yeah. mean, I still remember uh, the church I grew up in. Um, it it was bootstrapped in a similar way. It was mm-hmm. a much bigger facility. But my dad uh, used to be, before he retired, a plumbing contractor. And so we spent Every weekend. I mean, mm-hmm. I believe that Saturdays were for church work days. Every weekend, every single uh, week growing up from the time I was like seven until like I graduated, I think, working mm-hmm. on that church building. And to this day, if I visit that church, it like it feels a little like mine. Yeah. I'm not sure that the, the church people there agree, <laughs> but it does. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, which is the, significant. The ownership I have in that space, even though there's hardly anyone that goes there that I know, the pastor has changed multiple times. Like, I don't really know many people there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still, uh, there's a great deal of ownership. And I think that that was a really nice, um, unplanned byproduct of mm-hmm. what we had to accomplish. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, so that would just, we'll, we'll preface all of this with that, that you should really try to think through how do I include as many people as possible yep. in, in this solution. Yeah, okay? absolutely. All right. So let's just talk about how do we drive to the finish? The first one um, that we would say is you have to erase quitting from the equation. Yep. Like, because it, it like, I remember you had, well, like we didn't even have a general contractor. We had mm-hmm. John Nisbet, who mm-hmm. was a very faithful servant-hearted member of our church who's hella handy and Mm -hmm. real good with a YouTube channel. Yep. And, uh, and so he, he knows how to do a ton of stuff and he very humbly was like, I'm, I'm willing to take this on. Yep. But I remember you telling me after the first conversation you had with him and a couple other like contractor, you know, construction guys in our church, their estimate on the, we had to build two walls were Mm -hmm. the big construction projects. And, uh, and I remember that they said that they thought it would be done end of day. Yeah, like the first weekend. The yep. first weekend, yeah, like yeah. Th- this will be done. Yeah. And it took like six weeks, four weeks Yeah, <laughs> for us. It, yeah, it was a long time. Yeah, yeah and that's, of every single day. Yes, and none of that is criticism of their work. No. But But the point is, if, if, if you hit, the, well, to use, to, if you hit a proverbial wall, mm-hmm. things don't go according to plan, yeah. which they're not going to go according right. to plan. And, and the very first time that happens, you just decide like, well, I guess we're done. Yeah. Like that's not going to work. Like the yeah. number of times that, that I like y- you were here more than anyone else on the project for sure. It, mm-hmm. it, 
literally almost killed you, mm-hmm. I think, because you were also moving into your own condo and dealing mm-hmm. with a bunch of other stress in, in addition to managing this whole thing. Yeah. But it was one of those things that was just like, well, I guess we can lick our wounds on the back end, but right now we just have to keep going. Yeah. Because we can't, like quitting is just not an option. Yeah. Because that's the, the surefire way to make sure you don't get across the finish line is to like quit at the 50 yard line. Yeah, it got absolutely. Hard. Yeah, yeah. And I think that... Um, uh, just, um, uh, well, and this kind of goes into our next point, mm-hmm. but when those problems come up, you just have to solve new problems. Yeah. You talked like, a little bit about this last week, but, yeah. but talk about like, it's not like, so we figured out what our problem was. Yeah. We came up with the solution and then we were done. It yeah. was just like one problem out. I mean, I remember when we first landed on, here's the solution. As soon as we had it, there was a big problem. Where mm-hmm. are kids in this, the space that we have, how are kids going to go to the bathroom Without During walking into our service. And, and and quite frankly, even as you do that, one, uh, as a single man with no children, uh, one of the suggestions I threw out was, well, just require parents to ask the kids to go to the bathroom before they check them in. Yeah. That would have worked. Yeah. Um, I think we had a little guy who had to go to the bathroom twice yeah. in uh, the most recent service. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, that's not possible. Right. But, again, you just have to throw out, like, what is possible? What can we do? I think one of the big problems that we were faced with immediately Immediately was as people arrive at our service, mm-hmm. um, we don't have a foyer. Mm-mm. We don't even have a vestibule. You walk in and you like almost hit the feet of people like sitting as a part of the service. Like mm-hmm. that's just the way it goes. Yep. Um, so as soon as you open the door, you're like, oh, oh okay. Yep. This is not what I was expecting or whatever. Um, and so we had to come up with a solve for that. And yeah. so it wasn't just like, well, you know, and at one point there was conversation about, should we build a vestibule or get one of those removable things that were so popular in COVID and all mm-hmm. of that. And what we landed on was um, it is published that we start at 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyone who's new would know that the service time starts at 10 a.m. And if you're in ministry and you understand new people aren't going to be late, yeah. they might be a couple minutes, but likely they're going to be early. Hour. Definitely not a half hour. And so what we did was built in basically like fellowship time, Mm -hmm. time for people to connect with one another. We're providing coffee and donuts and a space where you can come. And at 1020, uh, our kids check-in closes. And at 1025, we put out A-frames like leading into our parking lot to just let people know the service is in progress. We invite you to join us at 10 a.m. next week. And even some of you listening, like I'm, it's like fingernails on a chalkboard that how in the world mm-hmm. could a church establish that you know people need to try again next week? But that's what we have to do in our situation mm-hmm. because it is impossible mm-hmm. to come in late and not have the entire room look right at you. It just, yep. it's not possible. And so I think, and let's just a- say, I don't think this is what ever happened, but let's just say a new person did come 30 minutes late. So mm-hmm. they come at 1030. Like we are doing them a service yeah. by telling them, Hey, the service has started to come back next week. Cause if you God forbid, so if you're a new person Ugh. who walks right into the middle of the room, I mean, that would be a really yeah. horrible first ex- impression for yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think we were clear with the people who call the church home so that they had good expectations. But here's here's what's amazing. Like, I, I don't think at any point in our conversation – we had the con. We had the talk about. I mean, I was talking to one of our longtime, very devoted worship band members last night, mm-hmm. and forever they have referred to both the call to worship and the first song as what throwaway, a throwaway, absolutely. And now everyone in our church gets to be a part of the entire worship experience, right. and it has 
totally changed the entire vibe of the service in a way that like builds energy and excitement and people get to be a part of the entire thought process from start to finish versus like, you know, it's like starting, you know, like a show that you like uh, back in the days when everything wasn't like DVR'd and streaming and you just like missed the first half and you're mm -hmm. like, well, I don't really know what's happening yeah. and I guess I'll have to wait for it to come out on DVD to yeah. know what happened in that first half of the episode. It's the same thing. Like services are programmed in a way to be like a continual thought from start to finish. We work very hard at that and, and for years people were missing parts of it. And yeah. now um, the most someone misses is their donut. Uh, we even had a, like, we even had this like sweet woman, love her as a part of our church. And she came in, I saw her park, like kind of tear into the parking lot park. And like in her kind of like high heeled boots was like booking it in. And she's like, mm -hmm. what time is it? What time? And I was like, Hey, hey, you have three minutes. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. You missed out on like being able to get coffee and donuts, but you're here. Yeah. The, the frames aren't up. And if they had been, it would have been an invitation to come back the following week. And yeah. that's a great example of like, it's not orthodox. It's not something I've heard other churches doing, yeah. uh, but it has been serving our community well mm -hmm. um, and was a way we could solve a very, very unmovable problem otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. And the point again, just to come back to this is there, there, once you have solved the big problem, that's probably just the first of a hundred problems oh, that yeah. are going to come after. And so you really have to dig deep. Like, again, that's why we call this driving to the finish. You yep. have to dig deep and you just have to keep going like this. This is not, you know, people have been listening to this and know me, know I'm a, I've become a huge proponent for emotional health. Mm -hmm. I would say in these kinds of projects, this is not the time for you to like sit with yourself and your feelings. Yeah, this the is time the time for to, stoicism, man. Yeah, put, put your head down, get the work done and talk to your therapist when the project's over Oh, sure. and untangle the whole problem. Cause for me, it was the most work I think I've ever done. You commented yeah. on like, I had to like pack and move and all of that. Uh, you very sweetly offered to have the church take care of that. And I refused, which will go down as one of the worst decisions I've ever made. Yeah. Uh, Cause I insisted on doing it all myself. The mm -hmm. problem about being single is when you're here, mm -hmm. uh, there's no one at home packing for you. No. And so it was just all work all the time. There were some other really stressful things going on with uh, my XP and all yep. of that kind of stuff. And so it genuinely like, but, but it wasn't like, you know what you, you take this weekend. Yeah. How? That's not possible. Like we had to keep going. We had a deadline. We we were floundering already as a church by having to cancel services and we'd do a church work day mm -hmm. or uh, the other organization we were meeting at had some conflicts of things that we couldn't meet. And so we went a few weeks without a service and you were just like, on the week we launched, it's like, will anyone come? Yeah. And by God's grace, they did, and it's working well. Yeah. But it only comes by continuing to solve those problems. Yep. Yep. That's good. And then the last thing, because again, remember just to reframe this, we're talking about like, how do we drive this to the finish? So I would say this is especially true for those of you that are the ministry leaders that are helping oversee these projects or problems that you're trying to solve, figure out how like to fuel the work mm -hmm. that is getting done, yep. especially if it's a project in any way related to what we're talking about, sure. which is like, so we had for five, six weeks, something like that. We had, you know, just members of our church 
nobody's getting paid. Everybody's volunteering mm-hmm. who were here at random times throughout the day in the morning, the afternoon, late into the evening. Oh yeah. And, and we worked really, really hard to think through, okay, how do we, we don't pay these people, right? but how can we continue to fuel this work forward? Yep. One of the ways was with presence. Yeah. You were here a lot, um, with people just yeah. some of the, I mean, you're always available on the phone. Mm-hmm. Very available on the phone. We fed people, mm-hmm. made sure that we were taking care of things like that. We um, Chick Fil A runs and yeah, all kinds of. We had people in the church who weren't able to serve in the kind of like construction way, but had somebody make kind of a New Orleans style feast for the for yep. everyone. Work. I mean, there was a lot of ways that people could pitch it, and I think that was another way that we fueled the work was doing our best to come up with all the types of jobs that needed to be done, recognizing yeah. not everyone's going to be able to do everything. And so we had jobs of just like pick up stuff at stores that had been purchased yep. and assemble Ikea furniture and sell things that we could no longer have room for on Facebook marketplace yep. and, and, and doing our best to create, um, venues and avenues for on-ramps for anyone, regardless of their skill set or their availability. Yeah. And then I would say the last part of this point is, is thinking in terms of, okay, how do we refuel these people yeah. after the work is done? Yep. So if you think about like taking your vehicle on a long drive yep. and you burn through all the, like it's, it's had the gas necessary to get you where you're going. If you don't refuel it at the end, then it's not, it's not going to keep going. Right. And I have seen projects in local churches that have pushed people to a breaking point yep. and they finish the project and they're finished with the church. Yep. Not, not necessarily like the big C church, but like they're moving on, they're yep. going somewhere else. And so we've tried to be really intentional, especially with those people. Like we've expressed an immense amount of gratitude. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I just, I'm not trying to like be the hero of my own illustration, but like just practical things. I think I wrote after our first big work day, I wrote thank you notes mm-hmm. to, to people who had come and participated in that. Yep. And then for people like, cause we had some people that like put in some time oh, yeah. and effort that made big time personal sacrifices yep. to be able to do that. And for those people, we've, we've really tried to think through significantly and still are, how do we really bless these people yep. as a, as a result of the sacrifice that they've made so that like they might look back on the project and think that almost killed me dead, mm-hmm. but they will at least know that they were, that it's deeply, deeply appreciated yep. and it will feel like, and it was worth it. Cause yep. I, I will say, I look back on that, you know, five, six weeks thinking like, well, collectively it almost killed us. Yep. And I look at it now and I go, and it was worth it. Yeah. Well, and I think, I mean, we, you know, you have to look at stuff like that and you have to know that you need to move forward, even if people decline. Cause we've mm-hmm. had some people in, in trying to understand like what would bless them, yeah. like even outright ask. I yeah. think, I think the idea that everything in the world needs to be a surprise is just such a farce. Yeah. Uh, and so asking people what's meaningful to you. And we've had people, Oh, you know, I just wanted to serve. I just wanted to this. And my response is the same every time. Uh, just because someone else made the determination to be a blessing to us or mm-hmm. to this body doesn't mm-hmm. stop us from doing the same in return. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, even most recently I met with a couple that you and I had decided like my, uh, instruction to them was you can either be a part of what we're going to do mm-hmm. or we're going to do it blindly, but make no mistake. We're going to do something. Yeah. And, and then they became a part of it and are really excited about what we've decided to yeah. do. But I think that it's stuff like that, that, um, is really important. 
and puts you in a place where like it's not about like what you can afford to do and it's not just about spending money or things like no. that but it's really about conveying to people that we recognize we see the sacrifice that was made um, and we're we're very grateful I would encourage you like if to if you have people that you approach about something like this and they decline you doing something generous mm-hmm. or blessing do it for do something for them anyways because typically when if 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 a person is the type of person that declines being blessed mm-hmm. oftentimes for their own formation they need to be on the receiving end of generosity and kindness totally it's good for them to 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 have to receive love ultimately yeah so i i would argue that it's actually a very pastoral thing to do to to help people understand that they are loved that they are appreciated and that they are deserving of being honored in yep. that way absolutely So hopefully these three weeks have been helpful. We're going to come back next week and just have kind of a closing conversation about how to some real practical tools that you can give your church to help cultivate a culture of joy, uh, because the great antidote to any sort of negative morale is to have a morale marked by joy. Mm -hmm. So we'll be back next week to talk about that. But until then, um, as always, we would love to connect with you on social media. So you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at at Ryan Hughley. That's H-U-G-U-L-E-Y. And you can find me on the same platforms at at Tyler Dravitz. That's D-R-E-W-I-T-Z. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time.